Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, it hit me uh, this morning about 45 seconds ago. This is actually an important day uh, in my life. Not today exactly, but this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, 28 years ago, uh, I met somebody for the first time. And her name is Brandy. And uh, we met uh, in church. So uh, if you're not married, go to church. You're going to meet somebody great, okay? So 28 years ago, we were first-time guests uh, at First Baptist, Euless, Texas. And uh, we didn't meet in the worship service or Sunday school that day. We met at a party, and she thought I was weird. <laughs> and that trend continues to this day. Um, so anyway, so there you go. That's all for free today. But I do want to tell you, uh, that meeting uh, turned into uh, eventually some dating, three years later marriage, and then uh, some crazy things as always happen, like three boys, uh, stuff like that. But uh, when we lived in Orlando, uh, she began to work uh, for the organization uh, called New Missions, which is the organization we're partnering with for the shoeboxes. And so that's a little tie there. So pick up a shoebox on your way out today. Come to Laugh All Night because that will also help sponsor uh, the ministry in Haiti and the Dominican Republic for New Missions uh, and all that. So uh, that's all for free today. Bonus material. Uh, the exciting thing about this morning, uh, in addition to being here in worship, uh, I'm thrilled to say that we've got 13 or 14 folks uh, upstairs in the B building who are joining the church today, uh, which is really cool and exciting. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. So you'll look forward to getting to know those folks as they uh, get engaged in the life of our church. Uh, well, today we're going to be in Philippians again. Uh, we're going to look at the last half of chapter 1. Uh, and so I want to invite you to turn there. But uh, it, as I was looking through this uh, passage, it, it got me to think about... Um, Paul's condition, and he's in imprisonment or captivity, house arrest, however we're going to look at that. Uh, but, but he was confident, that's what today's passage is about, he was confident that something amazing, something good was going to come of this. Uh, one of two ways, uh, God was going to do something significant in his life. And, and I think about that uh, hardship and difficulty, uh, how does things that are good that come out of that? And you may remember back, if you're old enough to remember uh, 2007 and 2008, uh, there was a young man uh, who played college football who, who was inspiring. Uh, still to this day, he's an inspiring uh, young man. But his team experienced defeat. And after that, he, he gave a very short, uh, but perhaps one of the most powerful speeches uh, in, in all of sports history. Uh, you know the young man is Tim Tebow, and, and here's what he had to say after his team lost in 2007. I'm sorry. Um, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. Something the has never done here. But I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season, and you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season, and you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of this season. God bless. So Tim Tebow, on the verge of tears, uh, had experienced defeat, and he said, good will come of this, and I will push our team to do everything we can. As you know, Tebow went on to win the national championship, Heisman Trophy, uh, had a short-lived uh, football, professional football and professional baseball career, 
but inspired many. And, and that's what I want to focus on, that one aspect of his little 27-second speech. That's what it was. Sometimes you wish I would be up here for 27 seconds. But, sorry, uh, not sorry. Uh, but he says, good will come of this. Do we walk into, do we, in the middle of challenging, difficult, hard circumstances, think about, Lord, what is the good that's going to come of this? Uh, most of the time, we're clawing and scraping on how to get out of said terrible situation. And, and Paul is reminding us today uh, about perspective, about how we should live, how we should operate together, not only as a, a follower of Jesus Christ, but also as a church, as a family of God. And so if you've got your Bible to first, uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, look at verse 19 with me. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It's going to be good. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. As a a pretty lengthy passage as Paul writes to the church about his own condition and what he hopes their condition will be. And, and today I want us to focus primarily on verse 21, which is maybe the second or third most famous line uh, in all of Philippians and maybe top 10 in the Bible. And, and then the end of the passage, uh, verses 27 through 30. But Paul was confident as he writes this letter, he's confident that God would deliver him. He just wasn't sure how that was going to happen. There was one of two ways. Either he was going to be set free from his imprisonment or he was going to die. Those are the two options. Freedom or death. That was it. He knew one of those two things was going to happen. Either way, his desire was that Christ would be exalted. It's, it's amazing to me that the courage, uh, the, the faith that Paul has in this moment that, that he's facing uncertainty with great courage and faith. He, he's 
eagerly expecting that God is going to do something. He uses that phrase, eagerly expecting. It's, it's, there's an anticipation there. There's somewhat of a, of a looking forward to. The idea in the original language is to, to strain your neck to see something. You, you've been, some of you have been to Disney World and tried to watch the parade with small kids. Straining your neck helping them strain your neck. Like you're, they're on your shoulders, your neck is straining. Like no matter how you slice it, it's straining. Or if you've been to a wedding and you're a member of the family and so they give you the prime seats up front, right? If you're a member of the family of the bride or groom, the problem is if you want to see the bride walking down the aisle, you kind of, you got you to, you know, step into the aisle and mess the photographer up. Strain your neck to, to see what's happening. That's the idea. I'm, I'm eagerly straining forward so that I can, see what Christ is going to do in this moment. And so whether he sees continued life or he sees death, he wants one thing to happen, Christ to be honored. This isn't going to be on the screen, but if I were to redo my slides, this one would be added. He, he wants his purpose for living to glorify, to be to glorify. Easy for me to say. He probably should have written it. He wants his purpose for living to be the glory of Christ. His purpose for living to be the glory of Christ. And so the question for us is, what is our one desire? What, what is our one desire for living? Because he famously says in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have one aim in life. I have one desire, and that's to glorify Jesus, to be as close to him as possible. And then if I were to die, then that's going to be gain, not just gain for me because I get to be with Jesus, but also gain for the gospel. That Christ would be glorified in his death because the gospel would be promoted all throughout the region. Already, people had been strengthened and emboldened to share the gospel. We talked about that last week because of his imprisonment. But his testimony of faithfulness would spread and the gospel would spread and he would get to be with Christ. Otherwise, if he lives, then he has fruitful labor. He's carrying out the mission of the gospel. He's telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. He's modeling Christ for others. And so it got me to, to think about what does it mean to, for to me to live is Christ? What does it mean to live is Christ? Well, it means I, I model my life after Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, I think about how Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And so if I want to live as Christ, that I need to be a person who serves, who gives my life away. And I struggle with folks that say, well, well, you know, I would help if someone would just ask. Well, that's not a servant. That's a responder. A, a servant is one who takes initiative. Jesus went to the people who were in need, who were in pain, who were struggling in sin, who were separated from God. And, and he went to them and he served them. He loved them. I, 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 I'm not pointing fingers. I have that trouble in my own house, right? Uh, well, the trash didn't get taken out. Well, I didn't know. Well, 
Did you look? Did you investigate? Or, or someone will say, well, hey, if you'll just tell me what to do. Well, yes, there are occasions when that's true. But, but no, a servant sees and goes. If I want to live as Christ, I need to be someone who serves. Who I look for opportunities to give my life away, to serve others, to invest in others. I'm a person who lives by the truth. Jesus famously said, I am the truth. I'm so glad I went to that Christian university that puts it on their main building. The scripture, you shall seek the truth and the truth shall set you free. That great college I went to, Christian to the core in Austin. Uh, and, and, but that's the tr- that is real. Is my life based on the truth? I think about Jesus and how he engaged people with the truth. How, how he went to the woman at the well and he told her all about who she was. He told her the truth. But he loved her enough to set her free. The, the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Told the truth. He, he taught the disciples what it meant to, to pray and to live and to encourage and, and, and to point out people the, the truth in love, to show them graciously what it means to follow after him. So am I a person of truth? And do I engage people? Jesus was all about relational connection. And, and, and we're called to be people people. Do I love and care for people? Do I try to engage people and and learn and know about them and help them walk in the truth? Do I want to live as Christ? And finally, do I live a life of of holiness and purity? Uh, I said earlier that none of us were born of a virgin. None of us lived perfectly. None of us died on a cross for somebody else. And none of us have been resurrected. Those are all things that Jesus did that we cannot do. But his spirit lives in us so that we can live a life of holiness and purity. So are we living a life modeled after him and bringing others along with us? That's the whole point of this passage here is that, hey, I want you to be strengthened in your faith so that others will hear the message of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean for you to live is Christ. For him, it was fruitful labor that he would share the message of Jesus, that he would go on living in a confident, courageous faith, that he would take those circumstances that were meant to, to put him down and to, to make him suffer, that he would see that as, as glory and honor, that he could tell others about the grace and the favor of Jesus. It was a win-win for Paul. That if, if he were to go on living, then the gospel would continue. He would be alive. He would be able to encourage the church. He would be able to share the gospel. If he died, he would be with Jesus and the gospel would continue. No, each way didn't matter to him because he knew it was going to be a win. But his perspective teaches us something. It tells us something about how we might live differently. Because both of these outcomes, whether he lives or dies, show his passion for Jesus. 
He, he had a tenacious passion for Jesus, and you and I need a tenacious passion for Jesus. Uh, I love that word tenacious, so I googled it this week, and what might, don't answer this, uh, but this is rhetorical, uh, what would be the first thing to come up with ten, for tenacious? I thought it might be a definition, oh no, it was tenacious D, which if you don't know, the few of you that are laughing, you know. Uh, if you don't know, please don't listen to their music. Um, but Tenacious D um, is a rock band actually called Mock Rock. It's kind of comedy, satire, rock and roll all into one. Uh, started by Jack Black, the famous actor, uh, you know, School of Rock. Um, and he and a friend of his started Tenacious D. That's the last thing I kind of, I mean, I knew Tenacious D, but I didn't figure it would show up. But here's the crazy part of this story. The crazy part of the story is they actually named their band Tenacious D after two basketball announcers who kept referring to this one particular team who had a tenacious defense in basketball. Tenacious defense, a defense that was always pressing, never giving up, never bending, always on the move, never letting up, letting down their guard against their opponent, constantly harassing their opponent. Tenacious, nonstop, never ending, 48 minutes. They didn't give up. How, how is your passion for Jesus? Is it tenacious? Is it nonstop? Is it pressing? Is it always moving forward? Does it matter if you're having a great day and you're up by 30 or if you're down by 20? Tenacious. No matter the outcome, Paul was going to fight for the sake of the gospel and fight for the people of God. He longed for their progress in the faith. Do we long, not just for our own faith, but we, do we long to help others walk in the faith with us? And he cared about their joy. He wanted them to be strengthened in their faith, to experience the joy that only Christ could offer. And so he closes out this part of his letter. Remember, this is a letter, uh, not like a chapter book. Uh, this is a letter, so he's like a quarter of the way through his letter. And so he closes this little section out with, with a calling, with a challenge to his people that, that they too would live worthy of the gospel, that, that you and I would live worthy of the gospel. He's like, this is my choice, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And no matter what happens, either one of those, I know God is going to be glorified. I know Christ is going to be exalted. I know the message of Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed. But now church, people of God, I want you to live a life worthy of the gospel. And that's our calling, to live worthy of the gospel as we look at our own lives. And here's what he says to make that happen. He goes, I, I want you to be standing firm in one spirit one spirit, stand firm, don't move. Understand that Jesus Christ is the thing that unites us all and his spirit lives in us. And so 
His spirit is the one that makes us family. So let's work together as a family to do one thing, to exalt the name of Jesus, to lift him high, to live as Christ, to to help people see the truth of the gospel. He says, stand firm in one spirit. He says, be of one mind, that our minds will be transformed by the power of God, that we would be unified together. There's nothing more powerful than a church that is working together with a singular mission. Everyone on the team, on the boat, on the bus, whatever metaphor you want to use, everyone moving in the right direction with one accord, unity of mind, that we want to see the darkness dissipate and the light shine brightly in our community. We want to see our city be transformed. We're going to put our differences aside so that we can see the gospel go forward. He says, stand firm, be of one mind, and be confident, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Now, the good news for us, on the one hand, is we live in a community, no no matter where you live, kind of in southeast Houston, we live in a community that's pretty God-conscious or at least uh, God-friendly most of the time. And so sometimes we let our guards down and it's actually more difficult for us to to want to engage for the sake of the gospel. He's saying, be confident in your faith. Don't back down. Don't be afraid. Don't, Don't cower. Don't be passive. Be confident in your faith. And then finally, the one that all of us really love, be willing to suffer for his sake. Not suffer because uh, you made a terrible decision. That's a different suffering. This is suffering for the sake of Jesus. He says, it's been granted to you that you would suffer. That actually is a sign of God's favor. It's a passive action that, that God has granted it to us as followers of Christ that we would suffer for his sake. So maybe a question we could ask ourselves, not am I suffering because of my own poor decision making, is when the, is the last time I've suffered because I took a stand for Jesus? When is the last time I suffered because I was confident in my faith? And that came back to bite me a little bit. When's the last time I suffered because I told the truth in love, not in an argument, and it was rejected? When's the last time? That's what I long for, that you would would suffer for his sake. And, And these words that he uses, standing firm, striving, confident, these are all strong words. And actually the whole he has several, his books are filled, and that's kind of why we're on the sports theme today, because most of Paul's analogies and metaphors have a sports or athletic overtones to them. And, and he uses this word, agony, the word striving alongside. It's, it's the idea of a team working so hard together that, that they're pushing each other. The, the agony of teamwork, the agony of practice, the agony of, of going time and time again to get something right. That's what he's saying here, that we have to work together over and over and over and over again so that we may together with one spirit show the goodness of God. 
so that Christ might be exalted, so that we can experience the victory that we sang about, so that we can see the glory of God through, through our church and through our community. And so, church family, let me remind you that we're called to battle together, not against each other. That's true of us and Friendswood Methodist. That's true of us and Hope Lutheran. That's true of us and the Harbor and Bay Area and Heritage Park and Parkway Church. We're, we're to battle together as the family of God for the blessing of our city, for the salvation of our city, for the eternity of our communities to battle together. And so this morning, my call to us is to be tenacious, not half-hearted, not giving up at halftime, not coasting to the finish line, not somebody else will make that happen, not that's not my gift, that's not I don't feel led, that's not, I'll pray about it. No, that I'll, we as a people of God would be tenacious in our pursuit of Jesus. That we'd be tenacious in the pursuit of people because their eternity is at stake. And that no matter what comes our way, that we would exalt Christ in all that we do. Will you pray with me?